This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum. How's everyone doing? Really? How's everyone doing? Great. Um, I love the title of this tour, uh, Still I Rise. Um, what I wanted to do, I was inspired actually by this title. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to take you on this roadmap uh, in two ways. I wanted to begin by talking about, when we talk about I rise, still I rise, yeah? First I wanted to talk about why do we fall? Why do we fall to begin with? And then second I want to talk about how to rise again. So to start out with this question of why do we fall? Uh, there are a lot of reasons that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran that we fall. But first we have to begin by clarifying a few things. Many of us don't truly understand who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Many of us think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we would think about our neighbor or a relative or another human being. And so a lot of us actually have to unlearn many of the concepts that we grew up with. So I want to begin by sort of doing a little bit of unlearning, a little bit of, of, of cleaning um, the slate in terms of our understanding and our concept of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the biggest mistakes that we, many of us, grew up with is that we grew up with a concept of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as being something like a police officer waiting to put you in jail. And this jail is called Jahannam. Okay? So many of us grew up with this concept of, for example, the first terminology, the type of terminology that we first learn as we're, as we're being developed in our Islam is haram, right? Jahannam. These are all little children who don't know anything else know haram and jahannam. Am I right? And this becomes like the first concept introduced to our children. And so our children from early on, they are taught that Islam is a list. Islam is a list of things that you can't do, and then the punishments that you're going to get if you do them. And then a list of things that you can do, but the list of things you can't do seems a lot bigger. This is the concept many children grow up with is that Islam is just a list. Okay, we, it's haram for us to eat this, it's haram for us to wear this, it's haram for us to act like this. And while all of these things are necessary and important, don't ever think that rules are not necessary. We need rules to drive. What happens if we had no red lights, no yellow lights, no green lights, right? No stop signs. We need rules. But there is something very crucial missing. And that is that we have the wrong concept of who Allah is. We have the wrong concept of who our creator is. Many of us don't actually have a friendship 
with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because many of us just grew up thinking about Allah as a police officer waiting to put us in prison. And that prison is called Jahannam. And so this is actually a problem because when that person grows up and now we have youth and then we're wondering why aren't the youth coming to the masjid? Why aren't the youth involved? Why are many of the, of the youth actually leaving Islam? There's a reason this is happening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect our youth. Many people are not taught the right foundation, the right attachment to their creator because they are taught their religion as just a list, as just a list of haram and halal. And when you do that, here's what happens. Imagine you have a child and every single day you tell this child from the time they're just, you know, in diapers that you better watch out for the police because if you make one little mistake, that police is going to come, is going to arrest you and throw you in prison. Then the next day, you better watch out. You better watch out. One little slip up and that police is going to come and throw you in jail. That police is, and you know what? You better watch yourself because that police is armed. You, you feel me? So what happens as that child grows up, and how and what kind of relationship is that child gonna wanna have with the police? Anyone? Is that child gonna see the police and say, you know, I wanna get close to the police. I wanna be friends with the police. I want the police and me to be, you know, close, close buddies. I'm gonna go and express my, my needs and my, my emotions to the police. No, in fact, that child will just want to avoid the police. You understand? If the police is over there, you go that way. Does that child love the police? No. The child fears the police, but wants nothing to do with the police. Are you catching what I'm saying? And so many of us grow up with that type of relationship with God, that type of relationship with Allah, where we fear Allah, but not in the healthy way. What does that mean? You know everybody says fear Allah, right? Fear Allah. That's, that's important. Fear Allah. But what is healthy fear of Allah? This is not the type of healthy fear of Allah. How do you know? I'll tell you why. Because healthy fear of Allah, listen carefully. Healthy fear of Allah makes you want to run more towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Healthy taqwa it's called. Healthy fear is called taqwa. This is a consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But here's how you know that it's healthy and it's taqwa. Is that it will make you want to run to Allah. It will make you want to get closer to Allah. As they say, you will escape, you will, you will run from Allah to Allah. What does that mean? It means that you will run away from Allah's anger and Allah's punishment and Allah's displeasure by doing what? By running to Allah. Not by running away from Allah. And if you find yourself running away from Allah, if you find yourself trying to avoid God and avoid religion, you know, this, this, this phenomenon that we have with our youth of, I just don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to go to the masjid and I don't want anything to do with religion and maybe I don't even believe that is not healthy. That, that is born of an unhealthy fear that was planted into that child. And it starts very young. The same way that the person is trying to avoid the police, 
That's how that person is trying to avoid Allah. Just keep me away. Why? Why? Because you know what? Any mistake I make, I'm going to hell. Right? I, you know, you hear, you hear crazy things like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to hell anyway, so I might as well do what I want. Weird stuff. But this type of mentality needs to be unlearned. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy supersedes His wrath. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not like a police waiting to put us in jail. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more merciful to us than a mother is to her child. And I want you to absorb what that means. I want you to think about a mother for her child. I want you to think about what a mother would do for her child, what a mother would do to protect her child. And then I want you to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how Allah's mercy is infinitely more than that. Allah's mercy is the source of all other mercy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not waiting to put us in hell. Allah is waiting to forgive us. Allah is waiting to have mercy on us. And so there's a lot of unlearning that we have to do when we understand who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Because that will later on in life affect how we understand everything that happens in our life. You see? See, if you think about Allah as just wrathful, as just waiting for you to mess up, you know, then when you fall, you will actually fall into despair. Because your understanding is that Allah hates me. Or Allah is punishing me. You see, these are the types of understanding that you will have if you fall. If you think about Allah as that police officer, then when you fall, your thinking will be, Allah is angry with me, Allah hates me, Allah is punishing me. It will be a very negative concept of who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And that negative concept will lead you to despair. One of the most important tools that we can have in this roadmap is something called husn al-dhan billah. Husn al-dhan billah means to have a positive opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what we have to, we have to change from the root. Many of us have a negative opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We do not think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the most merciful. We do not think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a positive way. We think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a very negative way. That Allah is just waiting for us to slip once and so he can punish us. And so he can throw us in hell. That is not who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And we have to unlearn that. And unfortunately, many of us were taught this way. Unfortunately, many of us were raised this way. And some of it is cultural. And unfortunately, some of it is an attempt to control. We think that if we use God, we can control our children. But unfortunately, it backfires. Because what happens is that if the, if the iman, the faith, is not deep inside the heart, even if somebody wears Islam on the outside, you know what I mean? Like they wear the costume. They, they might even memorize the whole Quran. They might be a hafiz. They might wear the, you know, the costume. But if it is not inside, it won't last. It doesn't last. Just like any costume, it, it, it gets taken off. 
and especially when that individual is tested. What are the types of tests that they may go through? Well, for some, it's going to university. It's going to college, right? It's, it's leaving that environment where they wore the costume, but it wasn't in the heart. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? And then now they go into this environment that is testing them. Now they're, maybe they're living on campus. Now maybe they're, they're exposed to all this temptation. And as soon as they are exposed to that test, they, they, they fall. Because if it is not deep inside the heart, it cannot withstand storms and it cannot withstand these tests. So it's very important that number one, we have the right concept of Allah, a positive concept of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a positive understanding of who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And that, that understanding and that attachment needs to be deep. It needs to be beyond the surface, beyond the costume that we're wearing. All right, beyond just the external. You know, the Qur'an can be recited beautifully, but if it doesn't hit the heart, if it doesn't change the heart, then it isn't fulfilling its actual purpose. Right? We can decorate our walls with it, beautiful calligraphy. We can wear it on necklaces, we can put it up in our house, we can even recite it, but it's meant to change us. It's meant to make us better. And if it's not changing us, if it's not... If it's not in here, then it isn't fulfilling its purpose. You know Ramadan comes and mashallah, we read a lot of Qur'an, right? Maybe we finish the Qur'an many times. But is it changing us? Do we understand what we're reading? Is it deep? Is it beyond the surface? And so we have to get beyond the surface. That's extremely important. And we have to have a positive opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is a positive opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? I'll give you an example, Okay. Um, when a parent has to take their child to get shots, how many people have ever had to do that? Anyone? Okay, you're either, you're either a child who had to get shots or you're a parent who had to give shots, right? Everyone knows this experience. It's not fun, right? But there's a purpose, right? Now, when the parent is taking the child to get a shot, it's painful, but that parent is doing it for the child's own good. Am I right? Now, husnidhan, in this example, is that you as the child, you have a positive opinion of your mother. You have a positive opinion of your father. What does it mean to have a positive opinion? It means that you know that your mother and your father have your best interests in mind. They're not trying to hurt you, right? Generally. <laughs> Generally, we hope, in all healthy situations. In, in all healthy situations. May Allah make our families healthy. And so you trust, and you have, a, you have a positive opinion of your parents. And so when your parents are putting you through an experience that is painful, you know that it must be for your own good. You know that these shots must be for your own good. If you're at a level where you can understand you don't distrust your parents. You don't think your parents are trying to kill you, right? Trying to poison you with the, with the needle. You don't think your parents are trying to hurt you. You know that this must be for my own good. Husn billah is to always know that what Allah does for you is for your own good. That even if you are falling, even if you are hurting, even if you are struggling, that ultimately Allah wants good for you. Allah does not want bad for you. 
That is husnad dhanna billah. And to always think positive of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not to think of Allah as He hates me, He is punishing me, or He's angry with me. But instead to think positive. But then you might say, but, but what if I actually am messing up? What if, what if I deserve it? Fair, fair question, right? Okay, suppose that you did do something wrong and, and maybe you feel that you deserve it. Even then, let me ask you this. Do you know the story of the man who killed 99 people? This is a Sahih Hadith. There was a man and he did, he committed a sin far worse than all of our sins put together. He killed 99 people. He was what we call a serial killer. And when he went to this, this worshiper first, and he said, you know, I want to repent. The worshiper said, you did what? <laughs> you know, like, 99. There's a... The worshiper made a mistake in the answer, essentially. Why? Because he, he didn't have the proper knowledge. He was, mashallah, he was a worshiper, but he wasn't a scholar. In the, he didn't have the right knowledge. So he actually gave him the wrong answer. He said, you know, it's like too late for you, basically. He said, there's nothing you can do. So he, it just always blows my mind. So he killed him and made it 100. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, somebody comes and tells you that in fact they are a serial killer. You probably don't want to upset them. You know, like probably just tell them what they want to hear. But this guy was, you know, he's pretty, pretty brave. And, and it, he made it a hundred. This is a real, this is real. Yeah, and then he still, he still wants to repent. He wants, he, I don't know, man. He, he, he still, he still wants to repent. So he, this time he goes to a scholar. And he asks the scholar, now it's a hundred people, including this worshiper. And he says, I want to repent. What, you know, can I, or what should I do? And now the scholar gives the right answer. And that is that anyone can repent, right? No matter what you've done. And he told him, yes, you can repent. And then he advised him, and this is important, he advised him to leave his toxic environment. He advised him to leave his toxic environment. That's important in this story. Because sometimes, um, not sometimes, we are always a product of our environment. And so he told him, leave your environment and go to this other city as part of your repentance, as, your, as part of your tawbah. And so he did that. And he, as he was traveling, he actually died on his journey to the other city. And so at this point, we're told that the angels of mercy and the angels of wrath were deciding who's going to take him. And Allah told them, inspired them to measure the distance. And if it was shorter to the new city, he would be forgiven. If he was shorter to the older city, he would be punished. And we're told that Allah shortened the distance of the land in order for him to be forgiven. Now, how can we hear a story like that? And this is a sahih hadith. And then despair about ourselves. And then despair that if we made a mistake, that there's no going back. That's from shaitan. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's door is always open so long as we're still alive. And so even if we fall, even if we are down, like we're at a place that's low, that doesn't mean Allah hates you. It doesn't mean you're being punished. And it doesn't mean that you can't 
that this isn't actually part of your road back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that brings me to the concept of why do we fall sometimes? Sometimes we fall because it teaches us humility. You know, have you ever known a person, or maybe you were a person, who is kind of like, especially when we start becoming really religious, maybe when we first enter Islam or really start practicing, and we're like on top of our game, you know that? That like high in the sky, spiritual high? Maybe it happens like after Ramadan or after you went for Hajj or something, you're on a spiritual high. Sometimes when you're in that state, you can become a little arrogant. You can become a little self-righteous. You know what that looks like? Anyone? Like the haram police type thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're put on this earth to change everyone else because you're already perfect. You know what I'm talking about? That's arrogance because you're not perfect. And no matter how many prayers you're making, and no matter how much you're standing up for tahajjud, and no matter how much Quran you memorized, you will never be perfect. And you will always have flaws. And so the problem is that sometimes we become arrogant. And beyond that is that we sometimes take credit for our own righteousness. You know, the mistake that Qarun made, Qarun was a man who lived, very, very wealthy man who lived at the time of Musa And the mistake that Allah tells us in the Qur'an that he made is he took credit for his, for his, his power, his riches, his wealth. He said, إِنَّمَا أُتِيتُهُ عَلَىٰ عِنْدِي I, I got all of this from a knowledge in me. See, he took credit for his blessings. He took credit for his gifts. And sometimes, when we are practicing, when we are, you know, we feel like, I'm religious, you know? I, did, you, did you see what I did? You know, like, like, we feel proud. And don't get me wrong, we should feel good about, about obedience. But I'm talking about something else. When we take credit for it and we feel arrogance, we feel it's because I'm just amazing, you know? It's because I'm awesome and see all these little people around me, they're not quite as awesome as me. Do you know what I'm talking about? And maybe those little people are at the masjid, and maybe those little people are in our home, maybe they're in our family, but it's to look down on other people. That is arrogance. That's the definition of arrogance. And so sometimes we fall to teach us humility. And that individual who is arrogant, and that individual who's taking credit for the righteousness and looking down at others and judging others and ridiculing others, often they will slip. And they will end up sometimes in the same place that they were previously ridiculing. Make sense? It's, it's very dangerous to not, to not show gratitude for the gifts of Allah. And the greatest gift of Allah is hidayah, is guidance. So if you are guided, if your children are guided, if your family is guided, don't think it's because you're awesome and everyone else isn't. Realize that it is a ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a gift. You know the word hidayah means guidance. It also means gift. So it's a gift. All right? So, so this is one of the things that sometimes happens when we fall then. A lot of people become more humble after they fall. They, they become more... Um, they realize that they're human, you know what I mean? They're not like super, they're not like, they're not like a, a superhero, that they're not 
superhuman, that they're not angels. And so in that sense, this slip actually humbles you. You know, Ibn al-Qayyim has a very powerful um, statement in which he says that, that there are some people who they do a good deed and because of that good deed, they end up going to hell. And some people who commit a sin and because of that sin, they end up going to heaven. Why? And then he explains. He says that that person who did the good deed, because of that deed, he may have become arrogant. And so that arrogance actually led him downward. And that person who committed the sin, because of that sin, they felt so much remorse, so much humility, that they repented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so sincerely that they ended up going to Jannah. Do you understand? So it's very, very important that we change our understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of the reasons why we fall is so that we can humble ourselves, turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one other reason, and, and then this leads me now inshallah to what we're doing here today. One of the reasons to, and one of the, the fruits of difficulty and hardship is it teaches us compassion. It teaches us something called empathy. When you've been down, you know, when you've faced struggle, you become more compassionate towards others who are facing struggle. You become more empathetic. You feel more for others if you've been through it or you've been through something like it. And if you look at the prophets, peace be upon them all, when you look at Muhammad Sallallahu Look at how much he went through. From the time he was born, he was dealing with tragedy. From the time he was born, he was dealing with loss. His father was already dead, had, had already passed away when he was born. And then his mother when he was a child. And then his grandfather. Do you understand the amount of loss? He was an orphan from when he was a child. And so he dealt with loss from the beginning. What did that teach the Prophet ﷺ? It made the Prophet ﷺ, it, it, it taught him that, that empathy and that compassion because he himself had been through it. You know, he himself had been an orphan. So when he reaches out to orphans, he knows what that's like. He had dealt with loss, ﷺ. And so it's very important that we are empathetic and compassionate towards others. And so when we talk about now, how do we rise back up? How do we get back up? Well, one of the most, and as I mentioned, one of the most powerful tools to help us to always get back up is to have the proper concept of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Husn al-dhanna billah. Always have a positive opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm going to give you one more example of that, and then I'm going to give you another tool for rising. Um, and that is this. Imagine all of you sitting here today. After we're finished, you go outside, you see your mother in the car, ready to drive. And she says, get in. And you get in the car, and then she begins driving. And as she's driving, thank you. As she's driving, she starts taking a, a route that you've never seen before. You don't recognize the roads, you don't recognize where you're going. And you ask her, where are we going? I, I don't know this way home. And she says to you, don't worry, you'll see. Here's my question. 
How many people at that point are going to panic and call the police? How many people? No one. Absolutely no one. Why? You don't know the route. You don't know where you're going. Why are you not panicked? There's one reason and one reason only. Because you trust the driver. Because you trust the driver. You have something called husn You have a positive opinion of your mother, I hope. And as a result of that, you are certain that she's not going to take you to a ditch and throw you and leave you there and drive off. That she's not going to harm you. You are certain that she's not going to hurt you. And so you're not worried, even when you don't know the route. Now when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is driving our lives, because Allah is the driver, and when Allah is driving our lives and we don't know where He's taking us, we don't know the route, how many of us panic and call the police? Do you understand? Do we have a positive opinion of the driver? Do we have a positive opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or do we panic the moment we don't feel like we're in control? Do we panic the moment we don't feel like we know what's going on? And this is what it means to have something called tawakkul. Trust. Trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Trust in the driver. And husn A positive opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of the driver of our lives. It's a very, very effective and transformative tool to rise out of our struggles. You know, we're going through something difficult, but one of the most powerful ways to get through that is to always have a good opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Second, a very powerful tool to get out of our own struggles is to reach out and help another person who is struggling. And this is a principle we are told in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah, throughout the Qur'an and the Sunnah. How many of you know what the golden rule is? The golden rule is something to the effect of do unto others as you would wish others to do unto you. It just means treat others as you'd want people to treat you. Okay, pretty cool, but not good enough. Allah and His Messenger teach us a higher rule. So I called it the platinum rule. It's treat others as you want Allah to treat you. That's how it works. You treat others as you want Allah to treat you. And there is evidence in the Qur'an and the Sunnah that that's exactly what happens. That how we treat others is how Allah treats us. For example, we're told that those people who have mercy for the creation, the Creator will show mercy to them. And those people who have no mercy and show no mercy to the creation, Allah will not show mercy to them. We're told by the Prophet that if you help a person in need, and today that's exactly what we're doing. We are here to help people in need. We are here to help people in situations we would never, ever want ourselves or our families to be in. If you want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect you, if you want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help you in your time of need, then help these people in need. That's how it works. Is that when we Protect others, Allah protects us. And the Prophet ﷺ told us that Allah will continue to be at the, at the back of, to support the, all of us 
so long as we continue to support others. Finally, the Prophet ﷺ, he says something very, very powerful. He said that, I prefer to help my brother or sister in need than to be in i'tikaf. I'tikaf is seclusion in the masjid. And he doesn't just say any masjid. He says this masjid. And where is he standing? In masjid of Medina. Haram of Medina. You know, this is the place we like save our entire lives just to like go once. You know that place? He said that I prefer to help my brother in need than to do i'tikaf, seclusion, in this masjid. And he, and he said that his preference was to help another in need even more than i'tikaf in that masjid. What is the Prophet ﷺ teaching us? He's teaching us the real meaning of spirituality. See, many people misunderstand the concept of spirituality. Spirituality is not just praying in the masjid. Spirituality is not just reciting Qur'an. But spirituality is also in how we are treating one another. Spirituality is in how I treat someone when they're in need. Spirituality is how, what am I going to do when I see someone else suffering? What am I going to do about it? And what I do about it becomes a reflection of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala treats me. أَقُولِ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَاسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهِ وَلَكُمْ إِنَّهُ وَفِرُ الرَّحِيمِ سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُ بِحَمْدَكَ أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا أَنْتَ أَسْتَغْفِرَكُ وَأَتُوبُ إِلَيْكَ I just wanted um, to make a brief announcement. I do have uh, a few of my books here. Um, Reclaim Your Heart, Love and Happiness. And I've also brought, um, for the first time, I have two new, there are transcriptions. And what they are is that there are transcriptions of two important seminars that I did. One is called Shattered Glass, and this is about healing after tragedy. Um, the second one's called I Lost My Way, and this is about the concept of rising up after we've fallen. Um, so I have all of these uh, limited copies available, inshallah, um, in the back. Um, also, I want to also, um, this, this is also a, a resource that will be available. Um, within our communities, we have a lot of struggles. We have a lot of problems, and many of us don't know where to turn. I think there is a huge, or still a huge stigma in reaching out and asking for help. I was really, really um, happy to hear about Nisa. Uh, and, and the support that, that, that it's giving to, to women in trouble. And this is the type of, these are the types of initiatives we need to support and we need to continue. Um, another resource that I have, and my husband actually does Islamic-based coaching, specifically for couples, so married couples and men who are struggling with various different things from addiction, porn addiction, drug addiction, any kind of problems, because these are the types of people who suffer in silence, and a lot of times we don't know where to go. So inshallah there'll be... Um, cards in, you know, in the back um, for those who may need it um, or if you know someone who could benefit inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.